I have an exercise for you this morning. It's not a physical exercise. Some of you go, it's good. But it is a mental exercise. Uh, I'm going to ask you to use your brains. It doesn't take a lot of brains in this exercise, so don't be too scared by it. Uh, But it, it, it is participation this morning. Am I on? Uh oh, something's not right here. And I'm not going to stand behind this pulpit the entire time. You all know that. Is that better? Is that better? 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 Ah, fantastic. Okay. Uh, So it is an exercise of your brain this morning. I'm going to show you a picture, and I'm going to ask for your response to that picture with a word that you think is resembled or reflected in that picture, okay? Everybody understand what you do? I'm going to show you a picture on the screen, and you're going to tell me, and it doesn't take one at a time, you don't have to raise your hand, but just uh, give me a word that fits this picture. Excitement. Excitement, what? Happiness. Yay, I like that. Joy. Joy was my word, but that's good. A lot of good words for that picture, right? It's good? Okay, show, show me the next picture. How about this picture? Praise. That was my word. I like it. Good. We're thinking together. What else? Exalt. Worship. Good. Good. Okay. Well, quickly. Next picture. Oh, I thought you'd say Rick. At the Buell Club yesterday. Bob. Oh, man. You know, when you have the best intents, it always still backfires. He comes back for you. But you're right. It reflects more Bob than it reflects more me. Strength, though, is what we're moving for, right? In, in doing it. So, right, so you, you get the idea, right? The, the reality is, is that you see a picture and there's a word other than Bob that comes to mind in the midst of that. Well, this morning, we have a third picture of the church. If you've been with us, we've been walking through Acts 1 through 8, and we have found two snapshots of the church prior to this. This morning is a third snapshot, but I want you to use your brains this morning as we look at the snapshot of the church to come up with a word, all right? But before we get there, and that picture is in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, so you can begin to turn there or get your phones going or your whatever it is that you have that gets your scripture up. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. But as we get there, let's do a really quick review. We haven't done this in a while, right? So who wrote the book of Acts? Luke did. Uh, Luke was a Gentile. Uh, He was a doctor, probably, a guy that had real attention to detail, and he was recording this amazing story of the early church. Who was he writing to? Theophilus, right? Who was a... Gentile himself, correct. And he was a very powerful Gentile, probably a very rich Gentile. And what we believe is that Acts, or Luke, as he wrote the book of Acts, is indeed writing to Theophilus, believing that through Theophilus, many Gentiles, who he has influence over, will read this story as well. And why was it written? 
Seize the day, right? Carpe diem. One of the things we continue to talk about is that why is Luke writing this book to these Gentiles? Well, he's saying to these relatively new believers, now is the day. This is the story, and the story is amazing about the reality of God's power. We need to seize the day in God's power to do the very same things that God was doing in the early church. And there's a key verse that we have all memorized. I know you have on your mirrors, on your refrigerators. You've, and you've just been disappointed that we've not had a chance to, to share it together. So this morning, I'll let you cheat. Andrew, you can put it up. A uh, key verse in this entire book, but certainly in our study, is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So you read it with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Your memorization is perfect. That's great. I listen, one of the things that I want to emphasize today, I want us to see again today, afresh and new, is these two wills. We talked about it when we first talked about this verse. It does not say that you might receive power, that if you're really good, you'll receive power, that most of you will receive power. Listen, what God says in this is that you will receive power. And because you will receive power, you might be my witnesses. If you're really good, you might try to be my witnesses. No, it says you will be my witnesses. God has made a promise. He is making a declaration. As much as we want to pray that God be a way maker, we say today he is a way maker, right? And the reality of this is true. As much as we want to know that power and we want to know that we will be his witnesses, God is saying in this text to the early church, and to us by His Spirit that we are receiving power and we are His witnesses. That's not about us. It's everything to do about God. So the picture of the church in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, allows us to see that afresh and anew. It's a third picture. If you have your Bibles, look with me. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. This is the very Word of God. I want you to think about what word this picture brings to mind. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And most of them were healed. Catch me. They were all. Hear it again. They were. It's crazy. You ready for this? They were all healed. Ah, may God help us in the understanding of His Word, the application of His truth for us today. So you hear that story, and what word comes to mind? Faith? Hope? Hope? Good. Amazing. Yeah. Hey. Amazing. And say that over again 800 times. Amazing, right? 
See, I'm going to make you go until you actually pick the word that I want you to pick for the sermon, right? So here we go. Miraculous. That's good. I like that word. There, what? Power. Thank you. I knew I could count on you. All right. So the, the, and there are many other words, but that's the word I want. Thanks, Peg. And so the reality of power in this story. So here's what we're going to do. I don't often do this, but we're going to go verse by verse. Because what I want you to see, because in every verse in this text, we see the manifestation of God's amazing, faithful, hopeful power. Right? So, so start with me. Look, it's a, it's a picture. Luke is, Luke is taking a chance to, to kind of step away, step back from the story, and he's giving us this picture. He says, Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. I, I would love to know what those were. I mean, we get a hint in verse 15 of this incredible healing that's going on. But as I look at the words signs and wonders, it's well beyond the reality of healing. It's like splitting Red Sea power signs and wonders, right? It's this miraculous reality. And we're not told what the apostles are doing. I think there's a reason for that. But the reality is, is that he is telling, Luke is telling us, he's recording for us that in this day that... There were lots of signs and wonders being accomplished in the days of the early church. Things only a God who stands above nature can accomplish. But simply done by mere men who are carrying them out. It's the same language that we saw in the last picture that Luke gave us. Luke 2, verse 43, it says, An awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. So it's not a new thing that is happening, but the apostles for now some time have been doing things that transcend any explanation of a natural sort, knowing that they can only have been done by God. I want you to note as well, we'll talk more about this in a second, it's an answer to the prayer of the people. Remember in chapter 4, the people prayed that they would be given boldness, but that God would stretch out His hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 30, right? So remember this prayer of those who were gathered. God, we, we want to be bold. Help us to be bold. But in helping us to be bold, would you heal and perform signs and wonders? And so we see here in verse 12, I know it's a shocker. Are you ready for this? God does it. Signs and wonders are being done. I can pretty much guarantee you that this moment, that this picture was a moment in time that we have never seen again. But listen, the point is not the miracles. Which is why I think that Luke keeps them out, or whoever is sharing the story that Luke records, he is, it is left out. He's not going to tell you what they did. He's just going to say, hey, they did signs and wonders. Miracles were happening. God, in His Spirit, by His apostles, are doing things to make a way where there is no way. Right? And we're not told why, because it's not the point. The point is not the miracle itself, but the point is where the miracles lead us. And the response that it comes from it. So look at verse 13. 
none of the rest dared join them. But the people held them in high esteem. I chuckle when I think about this, right? Uh, Do do you know um, that when people go to amusement parks, there are some that see a roller coaster and go, oh, there ain't no way that you ever get me on that roller coaster, right? And there are some people that see the roller coaster and go, where do I sign up? I want to be first in line. Right? I'm one of those. Armando, you and me would be first in line for any coaster. I love coasters, right? But I've been with people, my wife, people who, who see the coaster and are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like, that's just stupid to get on that little car that goes upside down and around and all that place. Ray, are you with her? Okay, so there, there's some. You, you get it, right? So it's the same thing. But it creates a very different response. Here we see the power of God. Signs and wonders are being done. We know what they are, but they're astounding. But there are some that see it, recognize it, and go, no way. Like, I, I don't, I'm not sure. That, that's just kind of freaky. I'm not sure I want to be a part of that. Right? It says that they kind of stepped away. It may have something to do with the text that we looked at two weeks ago when Ananias and Sapphira came and they weren't quite all in, they weren't quite completely truthful, and they like died. Right? That, that might have freaked them out. That might have scared the living bejeebers out of them. And so there is a sense of that's the same power that's doing the signs and wonders, but it's a power that I'm not sure I want to touch. And that's what we see in verse 13. None of the rest. We don't know who the rest are. I'll make a guess. We see in verse 12 that they're in Solomon's portico, which is inside the temple. Right? And so my guess is that the rest are those Jews who are continually coming in their Jewish way to worship God, but not recognizing Jesus and the power of God in Jesus' way as a way maker. And so they're coming, they're going, yeah, I see it, I acknowledge it, but I'm just going to go over here and do my normal thing. I I really don't want, I I respect it, but I don't want any parts of it, right? So that's one response, but verse 14 gives us another very different response. Verse 14 says, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Don't, Don't miss this. Review After Pentecost How many came to faith? 3,000 Right? After the lame man was healed Do you remember how many We were told that were in the church at that point? 5,000 heads of households Which means if you get their households involved In all of that You're talking about way more than 5,000 Right? So so 3,000 at one time And maybe another 3,000 or so At another time And what does this text say? More than ever before. Hang on to that for a second. Right, so, so Luke is this guy that loves detail, right? And you see his detail. At Pentecost, he's going, oh my gosh, one, two, three, four, five. And, and he's uh, 3,000 were added to the number that day. Oh, lame man. Oh no, here he goes. Uh, no, no, more, more. 5,000. Whew, this is getting rough. And here, I want you to see a picture of Luke going, oh, I give up. There's like, it's just way too many come into faith. That there are multitudes, and I love that Luke says, of men and women. Ladies, in Bible times, you weren't mentioned much. You kind of followed along. The, the, the whole idea of the lame man, 5,000 households, right? Didn't include all of you. But Luke's going, man, there are ladies coming forward. 
There's revival happening. There's renewal happening. So many that they couldn't count. More than ever before. Coming to faith in Christ. Because of the power of God. Don't miss Luke's point. This is the purpose of the signs and wonders. This is the point of the healing. It is so that people will see God for who He is in all of His power, and they will turn to Jesus as their Savior. He doesn't tell us all of the cool details of the miracles, but He does tell us about the miracle of all of these people, an overwhelming result of people turning to Him, which is the point. And the point of their conversion is that they will be God's witnesses to His power. As they are saved, they start operating in that salvation. Look at verse 15. They're coming to faith, and they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Some of you have your cranky bones going. Right? So, here's, here's your warning. Don't, don't get all cranky on me about modern day healers who like to throw their hankies, pray over their hankies, send them to you, and you sort of get healed. They get their aprons and they do their little thing or they do this or do that. So some of you are looking at that text going, and that sounds, sounds like the thing that I really don't like about these nice guys dressed in really white suits selling me things that they've prayed over that might bring healing. So, listen, I know in our modern day that begins to twinge those cranky bones. If it wasn't, it might now, right? But, but that's, that's not what I want you to see. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells Peter and the others that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And right here, God is fulfilling that promise in remarkable ways. Listen, nothing special about Peter. Matthew preached last week. He screwed up, messed up. Nothing special about Peter. Other than he is faithful to believe, listen, he is faithful to believe what God said. That God will unleash power through him, even his shadow. And it will be so that Peter has a chance to share the gospel. Don't forget the pattern that we've seen in these early chapters of Acts. After Pentecost, Peter (coughs) has an opportunity to preach. Does he preach about Pentecost? No, who does he preach about? Thank you. That's an easy one, right? It's a law, right? Yeah, he preaches about Jesus. Listen, they're going, are these guys drunk? He goes, no, we're not drunk, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about Jesus, right? And then he heals a lame man who's never walked before. And he has two opportunities to preach. Does he preach about Peter? Does he preach about, yeah, let me tell you the story. We were walking up to the temple and I laid hands on this man and he was healed. Is that what he said? No, you know who he preached about? He preached about Jesus. So here, we're not told in the text, but I have this imagination thing going, right? That he's walking through the streets and the shadow of Peter is falling upon people and they're being healed. And he's stopping and he's going, yeah, let me tell you about Peter. No. He's going, let me tell you about Jesus, who has done this thing. His power. Nothing. I'm I'm just a mass that the light hits in a certain way that has cast a shadow that somehow has made you well. 
In fact, we begin to see the move of God take effect beyond the walls of Jerusalem. In this text, verse 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all, man, get that, they were all healed. There's so much cool here, but just notice that they were all healed. Did they deserve to be healed? Did they have faith to be healed? No, 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 and no. God is doing His thing to fulfill His promise in all of His power. And He's doing it through His people. Listen, He's doing it through His church. And notice... Notice that the mission did not come to church. They didn't go out and get the sick and drag them to church. But church went to the mission. Right? They went to the streets and the highways and the byways. And now they're even going beyond Jerusalem to the small towns beyond Jerusalem. And I'm sure there was a moment that it dawned on them when the disciples stopped, the apostles stopped and went, Hey, Jesus said this was going to happen too. That we'd be in Jerusalem, but then we would go to all Judea. Here we go. Man, I can't wait till we go to Samaria. Who's going to go to the ends of the earth? God is doing his thing in all of his power. Not the power of Peter. Not the power of the apostles. It is not the power of the people. It is the power of God to do all that he's promised to do. I don't know if you can tell, but that excites me. My notes say, holy cow. Right? And I'm, I'm trusting this morning that even as you read the passage, as we hear the passage, that we see that what Luke is doing is creating a picture that makes you go, holy rip. Maybe holy cow is not appropriate. Holy rip. Holy whatever. Holy God. The reality of his amazing power. An amazing picture of an amazing moment in time. And certainly, listen, certainly one response to this text would be simply to praise God for his incredible power in this moment. This moment in which he showed his glory and his power and that people were saved. And I think that would be okay. That's not a bad application. But God didn't let me stay there, so guess what? He's not going to let you stay there as well. I've said a number of times in this study that we are not here to look at Acts 1 through 8 as simply an opportunity to learn about the church in the first century, but what? To be more like the church in the first century. I really don't think Luke is simply sharing this picture as a picture to hang on the wall of the Gentile believers as an example of the power of God. So that they might go, hey, remember when he did that? No, I think it's intended to challenge them and now us as to what this has to say to us today. And that leads me to this question. The question that I've been pondering, studying, thinking about, and want to challenge you with today. Does God still intend for the church to be the outpouring of his power in the 21st century. We read this story and we go, yep, he was doing it in the first century. It was through his church, through his people, 
that he was showing, revealing his power in the first century. Is that still true in the 21st century? This is where I'd like to stop, take an hour, discuss, dialogue. But you don't want to do that this morning, so let me jump quickly to the answer. Yes. Yes. In fact, I think it's I think it's the very point of what Luke is trying to say. He's not telling the Gentiles, look what happened. He's telling the Gentiles, consider what should be happening in you. And so by his spirit, he says to us today, not just look at what happened. But let's ask the question, is this happening for you? It is the challenge to seize the day, to see God's promise of his power to make us witnesses in all the earth. Does, important question, you ready? Thinking heads, right? Thinking minds. Does this power look the same in the 21st century as it did in the 1st century? Probably not. The point of this text, listen, the point of this text is not that we start pulling sick people out into East State Street and have Pastor Matthew walk down the street so his shadow falls upon them, believing that they're going to be healed. I mean, we know that he can do a lot of things. He's now preached, he's led worship, he's reorganized children's ministry, he's been reopened. All, he, the guy's amazing, he's only been here like two days. And he's done all of these things, right? But, but listen, the point of this text is not that tomorrow we're going to go get all the sick people and put them on East State Street and have Pastor Matthew walk down so that it was the sun shines upon him and the shadow hits it that we expect him to be healed. We're not going to do that. That's not what this text points to. Listen, in the same way, we should be... Very careful of the people who want to sell you special hankies. That for $19.99 plus shipping and handling, they'll send them to you, believing that indeed you might be healed. Here's, here's the distinction. God gives us these pictures not to be prescriptive, but rather to be descriptive. I've said that before. I've explained it a little bit. Let me explain it again. Right? This text is not a prescription that says, do it this way and you will get the same results. That would mean we're hauling people out into the street and somebody's going to walk down the street believing that their shadow might make them well. It's not prescriptive and this is how you ought to do it. But it is, listen, descriptive of the ways in which God still desires to move in our day, indicating that He is still powerful. He is still at work. He is still doing His thing through His church. The outpouring of His power through you to declare His glory. You don't have to do it this way. But let me tell you, God is still doing it. So yes, God says to us today, I still intend for Covenant Church to be a place that my power pours out for my glory so that my people will be saved. In fact, it is more than His intention. It is His promise. You, Covenant Church, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Sharon, in the Shenango Valley, state of Pennsylvania, 
the United States and to all the world. That leads to the next question. Is that happening? <laughs> Is that happening? Now, to be honest, it's an opportunity for the preacher to say, No! It's not happening. Not happening as it should. You guys need to get more of the Holy Spirit. Go out there, witness more! Right? And start pounding on the pulpit to inspire you to go in the power of God to do the things of God. And quite frankly, that's, it's, that's not a bad application. I read a blog this week by a young lady that called for 21st century obedience that will bring about 1st century power. I like that. 21st century obedience that will bring about 1st century power. Not a bad application. But, but I want to back up a couple steps. Maybe out of some of my own personal conviction and my own personal failings, and, and ask two questions regarding the power of God in our Mystic Covenant Church and the church beyond. We'll close with this. First is this Have we really taken time to notice the power of God at work around us? I, I talk to a lot of people. We, we'll read a text like this and they'll go, Why isn't that happening today? Like, why am I not seeing lots of people healed and more than ever people coming to come to church? Why, 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 why is this not happening? And they want to, like, get all mad at God because it's not happening. And, and what I want to suggest as we step back from it is, is it not happening? Have we really noticed what God is doing around us? Listen, in spite of us? I don't know if you know this or not, but God really doesn't need you to display His power. I know, I know, I'm going to let that sink in for just a second, right? For some of you. He doesn't need you to display His power. I had a professor once in seminary, Dr. Watson, never forget it, in chapel, had all of us young preachers in there. We're all snobby, arrogant, think we have all the answers to the world. And he looks at us and he goes, listen, the moment you think that God needs you to do his ministry, remember that he used a donkey. Except he didn't use the word donkey. This is a family setting, so we'll use donkey, right? <laughs> he, he, he doesn't need you. But he's chosen to use you. Look around. What is it that God... So if you need a place to start, hopefully you're in this place this morning. Think about your own salvation. Think where you were before Jesus. Think where you are now. Think of the darkness that you walked in until the light pervaded that darkness and won your heart and gave you a passion to follow Jesus. It wasn't you. It was God. And He is doing it day by day. Here, here would be my hope, that once we realize that God is indeed moving, that we would strive to look differently at our world. Not whining about its brokenness, but searching for God's power in the midst of the brokenness. Start asking yourselves, start looking, ask God, Spirit of God, to give you discernment to see where it is that God is moving in the midst of a pandemic. To see His power 
at work. First, have we really taken time to notice the power of God at work around us? Second is this, have we really asked God to unleash His power in us? Yikes. I've mentioned this already. It's obvious to me that the signs and wonders of chapter 5, verse 12 are directly connected to the prayer of the people in chapter 4, 29 and 30. The people prayed that they would be bold and that God would stretch out His hand to heal and do signs and wonders. And get this, He did. The prayer, listen, the prayer is prescriptive. This is what we should be praying. God, make us bold. And God, would you stretch out your hand to do amazing, miraculous signs and wonders in our midst. That we might be witnesses of the reality of your goodness, of your grace, your mercy, and your power. The prayer is prescriptive. How God does it in this text is descriptive. He's going to do it differently today than he did it in the first century. But get this, he still desires to do it. When is the last time that we have prayed personally? God, give me a discerning heart to see where it is that you desire to move in miraculous ways, and then give me the boldness to obey. When's the last time you prayed that? When's the last time we've prayed that as a church? I'm hoping this morning that those are good starting points to lead us to a 21st century obedience that sees a first century power again in the church. Maybe today it's a good opportunity to take a church selfie and ask ourselves the question, what word would you use to describe Covenant Church? I think it's time, I think it's time, church, that we step away from the past, that we step away from words like hurt, abandoned, declining, and we press into a future of being described as revived and empowered. Listen, maybe even a little crazy. Maybe we need to step away from being safe and comfortable and strive to being like Jesus who lived boldly and in faith, paving way for an early church power to be at work in us. And what about you? you take a church selfie, how about your own selfie. You know the church is made up of people like you. We cannot pray for God to unleash His power on Covenant Church thinking that somehow these bricks and drywall is going to miraculously do something to make that happen. Or that it might be a really good staff that leads the way. God today calls you to be used by His power to make much of Him. Maybe we need to take a look at ourselves this morning and ask what word would I describe to talk about my spiritual faith, my spiritual journey. Would it be 
power. God's power in you. I think it's time that we begin to see the power of God around us. It is time that we begin to pray for the power of God to be unleashed in us, that we would be obedient to the point that we might see. Are you ready for this? More than ever before, believers added to their number. God wants to do that. He desires to do it through you, through us. May we have eyes to see that He is and that that would embolden us to be a little bit crazy, trusting in Him for all the great things He wants to do in us. Let's pray together. God, maybe first of all, it's just to say we're sorry. (laughs) Maybe to say that I'm sorry. For the times in which, man, I have failed to see, and I certainly have failed to pray. That that maybe I I have operated, that we have operated more like the rest who in fear kept a distance to the things that you would want to do to display your power in us. Confess that. We confess to wanting to be safe. We confess to wanting to be comfortable. We confess to expecting someone else to be the radical one while we enjoy the fruit of your power in the life of your church. We confess, God, that we have failed to see you. We have failed to pray that you would, in all of your power, be unleashed in our church. So now we do. (laughs) Uh, Father God, Christ the Son... Spirit would indeed, as a triune God, would you move in the midst of Covenant Church. Unleash your power. We come humbly. We're just people like Peter, but we come humbly and ask that you give us eyes to see where it is that you're moving. That we might boldly join you in that place. God, that we would see your power at work. That we might run to that place. To be a part of what it is that you're doing in all of your power. For your glory. God, ultimately for one purpose. And that is to see your children come to know you as Savior and Lord. prayer. God, help us to believe it, trust in it, and to trust in you 
that indeed there might be miracles in our midst. Healing among our people. Salvation in our valley. Revival and renewal in our valley churches. For your glory. May that be. We pray in the powerful, good, great name of Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.